I, I, you know, don't appreciate when things are great. I hundred percent do, but I'm always like, man, if it's this, this is this great, man, it could be greater. Imagine what that's like. You know, it's not that this like, oh, this, this sucks now. I want something more. It's, it's always based around, there is a, a level of happy above the level of happy I'm already happy at. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we are back. Welcome to University of Adversity, everybody. All the regular listeners, welcome back. If this is your first time here, Welcome to the family. Appreciate you have, appreciate you being here. You guys, we have a bit of a treat for you today. His name is Anthony Trucks. And I'll tell you right now that you're going to get inspired from after you hear this. The guy's got such amazing energy and what he's been able to go through in his life and how he's been able to pivot, how he's been able to change his identities and how he's able to teach that to you and give you the tools to do the same. This is going to be a powerful episode that you don't want to miss. A little bit about Anthony. He was a foster kid turned NFL athlete and serial entrepreneur. Anthony was given away at three years old into a foster care system and spent the majority of his life fighting to find out who he is and what he is meant to do while he's here, just like many of us do. He's a former NFL athlete, former gym owner, international speaker, author, shift coach, and is on NBC's American Ninja Warrior, where he became the first former NFL athlete to hit the buzzer. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Anthony Trucks coming right up. Here we go. Anthony Trucks, welcome to the show, man. Super grateful to have you on here. I'm excited to be here too, man. <laughs> I'm looking forward to chatting. I do a lot of these and uh, and usually the intro, the intro conversation we have tells me about how it's going to be and I, this is going to yeah. be a good one. Awesome, man. Yeah, I uh, I love just flowing. You can you can do all the prep, you can do all the questions, but sometimes you just got to flow with it. So I... Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, when you have, when you have great people and the more you do it, the more you just, you just go off the flow of the conversation. And that's what I love about this whole thing. So the missing part of society now, I gotta teach my <laughs> kids that everybody else wants to be in their phones, but like, yeah. like, talk to people in real time. It's so much better. Yeah, man. Well, you got a nice studio set up for every, for anybody that's watching on YouTube, man. That's, uh, Thank you. that, that's key too for the visuals, right? People gotta, people gotta be able to like, they want to see us too. Yeah, man, it matters. You know, a buddy of mine recently, the reason this even exists is because a buddy of mine, Evan Carmichael, who's a YouTuber, yeah. uh, he was looking at my set in a meeting with did. He's like, I don't like it. He's like, you gotta, he's like, it's gotta be like a set. He's like, it's a desk. Like, I had like a, just an office. He's like, nobody, I mean, nobody wants to look at that. He's like, it's, it's washed out, it's weird. So I'd literally like revamped the entire thing. So what you see now is like literally night and day because it used to be all like white and stuff. Now it's like yeah. dark, but it feels better. I like it. Yeah, I had a, I had a, in my office at, at home, I had a, a kind of a setup with a background, but I just, I have an office space now. So I'm kind of like, how do I even set it up? You got to get like the backdrops and all that. And I think he's, Evan Carmichael's on the show, actually. He's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's dope. He's, he's dope, dope, man. He'll, he'll cut you up, bro. He, he hopped on. <laughs> I, the good thing is I have thick skin, so I don't, I don't care, but he's like, I don't like this. Why are you doing this? It's stupid. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I find that's real love because tough love totally. is what I think is real love. The fake love is like, oh, it's amazing, but they lie to you. The tough yeah. love of people who care enough about you to tell you what you need to hear. Yeah, Evan's one of those dudes, man. Solid homie. Man, when I, was, when I had him on too, it was funny because he challenged me right in the beginning because I remember I was asking him something and then he flipped the question on me and I was like, oh, this is great. Like, 
he he knows because he gets on a lot of these calls, right? A lot of these interviews, and yeah. I forget what I asked him, but I really like I love that about him too. That's what, and 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 that's what I think about interviewing is important, and it's more of a conversation, right? Like a lot of people are just it's so scripted, and especially in the world that we're in today, it's like a lot of people aren't willing to kind of dive in and sort of like have the real conversation, you know, and, yeah. and be honest. The honesty is key. It's the only know? part that matters. Outside of that, it's what they say only, um, only kids, uh, angry people and yoga pants tell the truth. Like it should be more <laughs> than that. <laughs> it should be more. <laughs> Dude. So I, I, I want to get into your story because obviously looking into you and, and learning about your story and being an athlete myself, I'm, I'm really excited to dive in and let's, I would love if you could take us right back to the beginning. I know you've told this story probably a thousand times, but I really, I want to I, I hear about not only, let's start about your journey. During your journey growing up, what was the biggest struggle you faced that had the most impact on your life today? Yeah, man. I think the biggest struggle that impact I faced was just uh, was not knowing who I am. Because when you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're supposed to do. You don't know where your worth is. And you, you really don't know uh, like where you're supposed to head. You know, like it's a very weird. And, and, and I think instability for a lot of us is uh, one of the scariest things, the unknown. And, and that was, that's prevalent for a lot of people in life, especially now we're just obviously recording them like the back end middle. I don't know where we're at in this pandemic. It's like, it's yeah, still yeah. here. And yeah. is that a lot of that unknown? So people are experiencing that sometimes for the first time. Or not at this this depth, but for me, that was my life starting out, like literally. So I was uh, three years old. Me and my three siblings were given away by my mom into foster care, and so we started our world like I didn't know what, am I the adopted kid, the foster kid, the, you know who's my my real mom, who's my real dad, who am I, where do I fit? The families I was with were very just bad people, man. They just didn't treat me like a human. I was a paycheck, they call it. As long as I didn't die, they got a paycheck for you know me being in that house. So I was beaten and starved and tortured and weird stuff between like three and six years old, like little kid, dad, like the, the you know, developmental formative years. And then I'm, you know, I end up in this family, which is my family now. And, and now it's a different identity aspect is I'm the only black kid in all white family. We're really poor. Uh, I'm in a non-diverse you know, school. So I'm getting called racial slurs at school. I, I act out all the time because I don't feel stable at home or at school or I have no mom. It's just really weird dynamics. And it just, the best way to explain it, it's, feeling like you're living your life like a leaf in the wind. So a lot of us live. And unfortunately, we start doing things. We think we have control. And then all of a sudden, something happens and you had no control. So it's like, man, who am I? And that was a, a really important uh, part of me becoming who I am now because I had to learn to deal with that at a young age. So we're, now we're dealing with people who are like all over the place because life is going crazy. What do I do? I am at ease. I am creepily at ease in this, man. Like, I don't even know how else to explain it. Things go crazy. And I kind of just settle in in a weird stance of like, oh, I know this evil. And it, it almost is, I guess, a good thing that all that stuff happened in the past. Because like, that was just, I'm talking up until like 14. There's a lot past that in my life that I've experienced that, that is, you know, way more aspects of identity that was, I was trying to struggle with. But that was the big part as a kid was, who am I? Where do I go? Where do I fit? How am I supposed to deal with this? And how do I get used to these weird, odd feelings? Because if someone doesn't get used to these feelings, it gets dark and they make poor decisions. They do the wrong things, which I have done in my past. But once you understand how to navigate those moments, how do I say operate in those moments of life, dude, it becomes an asset. 
So like now I'm in, I'm in peace and I'm in flow and I'm, and it's because I understand how to operate in these moments. And so, yeah, man, going back, that was one of the big things. Like who is Ant? Where does Ant fit? Like what am I supposed to do? And having to figure that out. Yeah, that's, man, there's so much truth about what happens from zero to eight, how much it impacts you, you know, with trauma and the things that we do, the behaviors that we have later on. And a lot of people don't realize that until later that, you know, what happened, they don't, you know, a lot of people don't even choose to remember it. It's almost like they put it away because it's, they don't want to deal with it. And for you growing up, you know, when did you realize that that was affecting you? Like how old were you when you were like, wow, okay, this must've had some sort of you know, because a lot of times we don't piece that together. We don't realize that. I mean, I'm 37. I just realized this stuff like three years ago. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. Like the stuff <laughs> I went through as a kid had a, had a, had a, had a real impact. Because oh, you get that trauma and you get that emotion attached to that thing. And then you start to like gravitate towards these habits that bring comfort, yeah. right? We bring comfort to us to fill that void of whatever it is. And, and mm-hmm. I guess what I'm asking is like, when was that for you? When did you realize that there was a thing there that, that maybe needed some work. Yeah. So address. Yeah. Same as you. It was a uh, 30, probably 32 ish. Like it was a long time. Yeah. It's, it's funny is, is like the work I do is in identity. It's in that realm. And, and I, I say identity and a lot of people are probably listening and going, what does he mean by identity? And essentially here's the thing. Identity is it's who you are when you're not thinking about who you are, when you're just in mm. flow, it's, it's, you know, it's what kind of mental and emotional fortitude do you have? Like, how do you execute? Are, are you consistent as a human? Are you disciplined? Uh, you know, are, what's your disposition in life? Are you happy? Are you enjoy? And so what happens is that that kind of is always in the background running kind of like a computer as an operating system. And that affects the programs of your life. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the program could be we're using Zoom or it could be Chrome. Right. But in life, it's my relationship. It's my health. It's my career. And it's just always in the background navigating these moments that we can't take back and we're not aware of, right? So like you said, when we were kids, like a lot of it affects it mostly because by the time we got to be 15, 16, we were already pretty much unintentionally programmed by society, by our parents, by our coaches, by our teachers, by our you know, friends, by what TV showed to us, the radio, the songs we listened to. We're just getting programmed consistently. And what happens is that sets the tone for operating system. And we go off into adult years operating like that. Yeah, and then it's yeah. funny is like people, people in this world are very interesting. I watch them. I'm like every, you are where you are on purpose, but it wasn't your purpose. <laughs> like that's the crazy part. It just happened. And so what happened for me is I, I got to about 31, 32 and I was like, man, my life is not what I thought it would be. How come it's not as close to that guy? I was buying books at the time too. I was, you know, learning things and reading things. And I was like, I got all these tools and this information, but I'm even, I'm still struggling. Why is this? And then I got to this point of like noticing through conversations of like, like high level successful people, you ask, like the people ask them, so, you know, when, when back before you were famous, what was it going on? What was good? And they would always say like, you know what? I was, I was a different person back then. I was somebody else. Like I just, you know, I didn't think the same way, operate the same. I just didn't do the same stuff. I just, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I just, I adjusted. I became this. And I was like, interesting, this become, what does that mean? Like, what does this become mm. thing? And so I started unpacking and like doing research on identity because it was actually brought to my attention in a conversation. Like I've gone through stuff from like, you know, college football, pro football, having a kid at a young age, finding my real dad, getting divorced, 
of getting married to my high school sweetheart, having three kids, then getting divorced, my business wow. tanking out of shape. I wanted to take my life at one point. Then I fixed my marriage, got back in shape. I did all these things around this 32, 31 age. And what somebody said was, you know, it's interesting as I hear your story, like the one thing I want to know is like, how in the world did you get past all that? How did you not get stuck at these different levels of identity? And it was a, it was a very prominent room of people. He's like, how did you get in this room? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's an odd thing. And that's where I was like, oh. So I started looking at identity and realized like there is this somewhat intangible, very tangible piece of us that is running our lives, but nobody's running it. And so when I go look at the aspect of kind of like you're talking about, we do have things that follow us. I realize at a, a later age, like I do have issues with like women, not issues per se, but I have a deep attachment. It's because as a kid, I wanted to attach my mom. So the woman I'm with, she has me. Like I don't, cheating doesn't cross my mind, not because of the biblical aspect of my faith, but because like it just, it, this is my, this is my wife. This is my connection. I'm here. Right or the aspects of, of how I have to, have to be wanted. We all have, want to be desired, but I have it differently because I didn't have it as a kid. I didn't have the hugs and the care and the acceptance. And the, so I want the acceptance from the world. And, I, and I'm open to the fact of, of true realization is I am selfish, but my selfish helps the world. And it's really weird how it tugs because as a kid, I didn't have that. So I desire the thank yous and the appreciation. The only way I can get the true thank you, true appreciation at this time in my life is by pouring out and telling everything, bearing my soul, teaching and helping and showing up. Like I'm telling you things about me that most people would never tell about themselves, right? This is me sharing. There's things where I'll hop on and give up my time to individuals I don't know. I'll get out of my car and push a car down a road for someone I don't know only because I want that thank you. And in getting the thank you, the process is getting somebody else's life to be better or be more served. But these are all ties to my past. I'm aware of it and I've made peace with it. Some I get rid of because some aren't serving. The anger aspects I had, the blaming, the lack of being able to forgive, the, those things I got rid of. They didn't serve, but there were some. I was like, you know what? Some people would think it's bad to say that I have to be, I want to be desired, but I don't think it is, especially if it's the way that I get that is by giving fully. So it's different ties for sure that carry from my past in all of our pasts. Everybody has something like this going on, but it's like it's hidden in plain sight. We, we think that the world's just happening around us. And why does this always keep happening? Man, the world's a mirror to you. And if you aren't aware of how you're operating, it's going to reflect back some crap consistently. So true. Yeah, it's, it all starts with us, right? It really does. It starts with having the self-awareness as well, like where we're at and identifying where we're struggling and why things keep happening, our behaviors and why these loops keep happening. Why do we keep running into the same things over and over again, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of people just, they go through their life and that's just the norm, right? Accepted. And it's, yeah, it's to change your identity and, you know, your persona or whatever, it's, it's, it is challenging and it, do, it takes a commitment because you really, but it also is just one decision away because, you know, we, we decide, we, what I find really interesting is why we decide these identities in the first place. Mm -hmm. We decide, I'm just going to, okay, I'm going to choose this and now I'm this person. And I'm going to do all the things that align that identity with the behaviors. And we just keep doing that. And really, all the, obviously it's more challenging than this, but like if you decide and you say, 
I'm going to create a new identity. That means you have to do new behaviors that align with that identity. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's challenging part, but really it is one decision away. It's always this. The, the problem is, is it's one decision, but there's also, there's this big hurdle most people don't, uh, or don't know exists. And what it is, it's that, that little voice in the back of your head that, that knows the truth and becomes your pessimistic co-pilot. Yeah. <laughs> the, the imposter syndrome picks up. Yeah. What, if, what if they find out about me? And what's interesting is in order to do anything great, it's going to be something you haven't done before. It's going to be naturally there. But the problem is we listen to it negatively and it shuts us down. The, the choice we make when we notice that imposter feeling is a very important one because there's a, there's a moment where you're like, man, that's not me. Let me shy away and play small. And then you don't play big enough to succeed. Or you say, okay, what are the things I have to do to diminish this feeling of imposter? Not to hide from it, but what, do I, what, what, what has to be done so where I don't have it? And what that means is, how do I become more of this human? That's the big question I answer in my work. It's like, Ant, sounds good conceptually. How do I do that? That's the big thing. How do I do it? Not so much how do, I, how do I feel like that is me, so much so I will fight for what I deserve as that identity. Because yeah. you can say, like, you can go in your mirror and say, you're great. You deserve the girl. You deserve the job. And then go outside. And when it pops up and somebody's like, no, I get it. You'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, they get it. You know, like that, yeah. you place people. And what ends up happening is there's a simple concept and it's a statement that is the root really of my work and it's what you create creates you. And when I look at the creation process, the thing is, is in order for me to, it's a whole self-mastery loop of how our brain psychology works, but essentially, shorten it all down, you have to do some things that are out of your comfort zone over time consistently and eventually get some successes so that the identity anchors back to that's who you are now. So what you create creates you. Now, the creation process is ugly, it's dirty, and it's long, and it's wrought with pain and failure consistently. It's just the nature of it. And so what happens is for a lot of people, they'll step into that realm of trying that at first, and they fail. And what they do is they run from it because it hurts. The fact that I suck at this or it didn't go well, oh, that hurts. I don't want anybody to see that. That's, see, I'm not who that, that's not who I am. And they take the choice to run away from it. Well, the people who are successful, when they say, I'm somebody else different, what they did is they woke up, they did that thing, and they failed, and it sucked, and they learned something. They said, okay, I now get some, okay, I got this lesson. Let me go try it again. Like a crazy person, let me try it again. But it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit easier. Now, it still hurts. Let's say it was a 10 before, now it's a 9. Still painful, right? It's a little bit less. And they say, ah, all right, I'm getting closer. They do it again and again. And over time, what they're doing is they're, they're going through a process of determining what I should do for this identity to be in place, deploying the action, debriefing from it, going back and redesigning it, a new plan and going and doing it again. And that is creation. Mm-hmm. I make a chisel mark here in the statue. That wasn't right. Let me smooth it over. Next one, do this. Okay, that one sucked too. Okay, do it again. And then I get better and better. And now I can create this, you know, Michelangelo's David. And what's cool is at the end of that, you might've been a guy with a chisel trying to make a statue. But when you've gone through the creation, now you're a sculptor. Vastly different. Now I'm that identity because I created this over time. I kept stepping up when you kept sitting down. I kept doing it. And it does sound simple. And it really is. Conceptually, the actions are hard. It's asking for that phone number over and over again. It's asking for the raise. It's asking for the sale. I mean, there's so many areas it shows up in life. And we just emotionally meet it at, oh, that sucks. And then I'm just going to do something else. I'm going to hire someone to do my sales. Um, I'm going to get a, go on a dating site where I can hide behind my phone. Like there's things that we do to disappear from that pain. But the ones who are successful, who are like, nah, I'm, I'm somebody different. They're not better. They just did, took better actions in the moments when you sat down. And that's, that's a separator, man. That's how you become that person over time. 
Yeah. And it's those little things that compound. There's a great book, uh, The Compound Effect. Darren Hardy. Yeah. Awesome book. And it's those little things <laughs> just yeah. keep showing up, just chipping Everything. away. And eventually, you know, they, they compound. Yeah, that's what he says. He says in the book, he's like, given any amount of time, if given like unlimited time, I will be anybody at anything. That's what he says. And it's, it's not really the concept of like just rigor, but the fact that it matters, he has an identity inside of, I will figure this out. Yeah. That's the power of like, if you really look at the human who wrote it, it's the fact that there's a confidence in the fact that I am the person who will beat you given time. There's, there's a different sense of like, yeah. you can't beat a person who won't quit, Right. And far too many people don't have that. What they're reading the book as is things compound. They get better over time. But what I read it as is like, this is a dude who's going to beat you sheerly because it's who he is to beat you. Yeah. You know, like there's it's a difference there. And that's evident in sports too a lot, right? There's, you always have that person. Like somebody's always on your ass, you know, like somebody's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because you know, I remember, you know, playing hockey and you may very well be better than somebody, but if you stop, if you put your foot on the brakes, they're coming. All day. <laughs> it's like, and all of a sudden they're catching you and you're like, wow, that was, that happened fast. Yeah. Our coach in college used to call it, you got to play one inch out of control because out of control is scary. You know, like that's, people, yeah. I feel like people who drift cars, who bungee jump, there's that moment of I'm, I'm not in control of this. And that's the space where you enter into something and you, you get through it. And you're like, oh, I, I did have a sense of control. I could do that. And that's the scary part of like anything you do, anything that's outside your norm. It's starting the podcast. It's, um, you know, say I'm going to become a speaker. It's putting yourself out there. It's, you know, choosing to get the divorce if the marriage just sucks and it's falling apart. Or it's choosing to say, you know what, I, I messed up as a parent. There's these areas where people won't play in that space, like sports, like I'm just going to throw myself out and figure it out while I'm out there. I kind of, I, I ache in it to like, for you, it's going to be like going out in the ice. For me, it's going to be in the field. There's a coach who's on the sideline or in the box and they send you out to play the game and you go out there and you're pretty much, you're just operating. You're in flow. Let's call yeah. it right. You're, you're thinking about the play, so to speak, but what's going on, it's operation. How do I flick my wrist and not even thinking, but your body just does these things and how you operate in a sense creates this performance, performance, score goal. Or I, I go on, you know, I play, I do my touchdown, I, you know, I make the tack, whatever it is. And so what happens is far too many people don't realize if I was to bring the coach out on the ice or on the field, like it would ruin my ability to play the game. I would be out there like, what's going on? I would, uh, and, and, and so people are in their, in their heads too often, not just going out and saying, just do your thing. Because what happens is you mess up. That's sports. You come into the box, you come into the sideline, the coach then gives you a coaching point. You absorb it, take the lumps, but I go back out and try again full speed. And that process isn't done in life enough for people. Mm. they don't they don't just put they don't they, they're always in their head up like they'll be on stage thinking about what they're saying and analyzing it and then like you're like this person's super they're they're not even talking to me they're talking to themselves from being in front of me right yeah. but when i'm out there like i just this is me i'm gonna be me this, and then at the end of the day i'll go watch the film and be like oh i shouldn't have said that you know but that's how i get better and that's how i improve and then people think like oh he's naturally gifted that way like no it's it's just who i am to kind of throw myself out there and see what happens and then let the coach come to the sideline and work with me there then put the person back out because here's the unique piece of it all in order for you to actually adjust your identity to shift it you have to take those actions that are incredibly unconfident and scary 
It's the only way you're going to show yourself that you can have a belief that that's me now. If not, like you're just going to keep trying to do things halfway and really not succeeding. But you have to, at some point, boldly throw that person out there and let them fall on their face a couple of times. And eventually they'll stand up and they won't fall on their face. You're like, damn, this is who I am now. And when you get to that moment, like it won't be a, like a flip that switches. It won't be like Saturday at seven o'clock, like, oh, it happened, right? It'll be one day you wake up and you're in the middle of it. Like, holy crap, this isn't, who am I? Like, this, I'm not the guy who sits at Starbucks and writes for six hours. Like, I'm not the guy that builds a website, but look, what, when did this, wow, I feel like I'm just a different person. And yeah. that's a moment that people, they never get to experience in life because they don't let themselves just go play the game and leave the coach on the sideline. Mm. Yeah, and that goes with what you were saying earlier about almost like being able to receive and to let go almost like to be able to, you know, because you were talking earlier about like people go through imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. And how people have a hard time being worthy of where they're at mm-hmm. and receiving and I've gone through it too. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing. Like if you're getting praise, if, if somebody's saying you're doing well, but you're not used to that. So you're like, wait a minute, I'm not worthy. I'm not, why is this happening? And people yeah. want to retreat Yeah, and it can happen in sports too. And it's how does somebody get through that block? Yeah. Like how does somebody, because you're right. There is a certain amount of, there's a certain amount of imposter syndrome, but there's a certain amount of um, power you need to, to be able to step into that, mm-hmm. then into who you want to be, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a speaker, and we're never fully comfortable with it. It's not programmed yet, mm-hmm. but even if it is, usually you know the greats try and channel challenges themselves so that it's not that comfortable, right? Yeah. How does somebody? how does somebody step into that better? Like yeah. how does, how does somebody get better at receiving that and yeah. being like, I'm, I am worthy of this. Like yeah. I'm, I'm at the level, these people, these, these people that I'm with and I'm, I'm talking to, or I'm, I'm playing with like on the field or whatever, I can be with them. I am them. Yeah. How, how does Big somebody point. do that? How do you get to be at the table and belong at the table? Like yeah. feel like you belong at the table. It's, it's interesting because really at the end of the day, it's a matter of, of two things. I think one part of it is you need to do things that you know are so difficult that when you achieve them, you feel worthy, like you feel good. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's something that we all know, like, and you'll meet it at the edge of your comfort zone. Yesterday I was doing sprints at the football field and I did this thing called just, you know, buildups. I do sprint 10 yards, run, you know, the other 90, sprint 20, run the other 80. I go back and, <laughs> right? and and what happened was I got to the 40 and I realized based on where I was doing with, with the field, I would have ended on the far side and had to walk back. And I don't like walk on the field. So I was like, all right, well, I can throw an extra 40 in here. It'll even it out. So I ended up returning where I'm supposed to be and, you know, pack up and leave. And I was like, I don't want to do it. Like I, that's, I didn't expect to do it. Like I was really tired. And then it, I literally turned the brain off and I went and I just dug out the 40 and I got the rest done. When I finished that workout yesterday, I felt amazing. I'm like, I'm going to have a beer, man. I'm going to get a beer when I get home. I earned that beer, you know. But it's that little thing and I feel better about it. And that's the first thing is we're all going to be met with moments where we, we meet the edge of where we feel confident or comfortable or, or we even want to do something, you know? And it's only the people that play that next inch. Like my coach in college said, it takes a little more to be a champion. The champion isn't just the one who succeeds, the one who believes in that moment they deserve to win. 
Mm. And the only reason they believe they deserve to win is because they did that work, that extra 40. They stayed the extra day. They didn't miss the workout. Like they, they did this stuff. And so in that moment, it's an animalistic. I can see in that person's eyes, like they're going to win. And for me, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I learned this way early on when I was in high school. I did so much work in this one off season. And when I came back, I deserve to catch every ball my way. I did not because I'm, I'm in position, but because I did the work the last nine months. I deserve to knock the ball down. You don't deserve to catch it. I don't deserve to get tackled. I've done too much work to, be, to run away from you. I deserve these yards. It's a different sense because we as people will fight for what we deserve. The worthiness, I will fight for what I deserve. The problem is so few people have done the work, so they deserve it way down here. And this is what they fight for. Anything above that, I don't feel worthy. Ah. Difficult. And so the first thing is, yeah, you got to get to the point where you, you do the work to feel worthy. The second part of it is, I have to, and this is for me too, I have to get to the point where I had to, I could take a thank you. I didn't get appreciations and thank I told you I liked that. I didn't get those until later in life and I didn't know how to handle them. Like to the extent, like even now as a grown med, my wife will be like, hey, thanks, love. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no problem. It, it, to the extent, like I'm not, I'm still not good at saying thank you. You know, like it's a yeah. weird thing I notice. And I'm always consistently in my head wondering, why don't you just say thank you and, and let that lean in and let it settle? Because what happens is when we subconsciously operate and we have this feeling of, I don't know if I deserve this, I won't go get more of it. And it's problematic. And so what happens is we become these massive limiters. Like, a, like a, I, when I go on vacations, I put limiters on the jet skis. I hate it because <laughs> I know it can go faster, but the, the nail's in the way. So I, that's my limiter. We become our limiters. And so in order to get to, to go to the next level, you have to say, all right, well, I, I am capable of this. I do deserve this. We have to sometimes think it through, like, why am I becoming a hindrance? And my thing was, for a lot of years, I didn't think I was worthy. And so I had to take my logic brain to force my emotional brain to say, look, no, no, no. You did all that work. The opportunity came to you. And this was one key for me. You got to stop comparing yourself to everybody else that has above or, or similar to stuff. Because I think there's also this comparison of, am I worthy compared to this other amazing, great person who has this thing? Do I, do I deserve to have what they have because I've done X, Y, and Z? The comparison is a massive problem because what we compare is they're amazing to all of our bad. There's a Dove study that came out and it was like this TV, it's like a commercial they did and they had two women show up in front of a sketch artist and one person would describe themselves and one person would describe that same person, a friend would describe them. So they had the same person, but two pictures. And every single time the person described themselves, it was an ugly picture, blemishes, holes, all the bad stuff. When you look at the friend's picture every time, flawless, beautiful, joyful looking picture, same person. The only difference was how they saw that same person. And what's unique is, is for us, again, we're looking at everybody else. We see the beauty and the awesome. We see all our blemishes. So of course, why would I feel worthy if comparatively I have all these blemishes and they have none? Mm -hmm. And so the perspective I take on that is like, man, I got to consciously look at like, hey, dude, what have you done that's great? Yeah, you did some crappy stuff. And that's, what have you done that's great? Because if you did that great stuff and you'll continue to do great stuff, God, you got to get more of that. Because- your ability to impact people's lives or do more in this world, whatever it is, is going to be connected to 100% what level of life you get to. And if you're the limiter, because all you see is bad, it's going to suck. So start extracting and seeing all the positive of what you've actually done. Yeah, the bad stuff's there. Learn from it. But man, don't have to be your fuel. Because now what happens is you start feeling like, yeah, I did do that. 
I have made that happen. I did achieve that. I did stand back up. I did go to work. I did get this done when nobody else would. I do feel more worthy of this. And I've done the work for this. Oh, dude, it's, it's firepower to roll. And then you start getting used to having this come in. And then it's more of a matter of just don't be an arrogant punk. Like, don't let it all go to your head, right? Keep a level playing field, which means keep good people around you that can keep you grounded. But man, if you stay on the ground all day, you'll never soar to the heights to have everybody see this greatness of what you become. Yeah, it's so true. With, with your football journey, you know, and growing up in a challenging environment, I'm, I'm curious because I know how hard it is to get to any level of high, high level of sports, college, you know, I didn't even get to college because I wasn't focused enough and I had the love and support. And then there's, you know, then there's others that don't have that. And I'm, and I, I'm always fascinated. Like how, how is that possible? Like, how were you able to be able to get through that stuff? And what kind, who was your support? Like, were yeah. you doing it out of spite? Like, I'm going to show them. Or were you doing it at, like, was there somebody that supported you through that? Because that's a, that's, it's challenging going through all the things that we go through and peer pressure and girls and partying to be able to stay focused, to be yeah. able to get, you know, as close, like, as far as you did. Yeah. You know, what was that like? It, well, it's always hard. I mean, it, when, when you're young, you have all those things being thrown at you. And you're trying yeah. to figure out who you are at the same yeah. time. Like, in high school... Yeah, I had a high school sweetheart and that, that connection to a woman was big, but I still had, you know, people, I got arrested at 17 for breaking into cars with some guys one night. Like you do dumb stuff, you, you yeah. spin out. But the reality is, is I think at the core of me, I, I was a good guy and I knew that I wanted, I wanted to always have that positive feeling. And so the way I would treat people and interact with people, like I was voted homecoming king. I, pff, I no, I, in this day, I'm like, I don't know how that happened, but I just, when I, f- I hear stories about me from other people years later, I was a good guy back then still. Like I was, I used to show up. One girl was like, Hey, you don't know me, but years ago when I was a sophomore, like there was these these kids bullying me and you stepped in and stopped it. Dude, I don't recall this at all, but like, all right, cool. Like it's, you can't, you know, there's only a few people that are named Anthony trucks and, you know, played sports. Like it was me. There's moments when I was told like, you know, some guy recalled me like speeding down a road and then like he cussed me out and I cussed him out. And then I went back a day later and apologized to him as like a 17 year old kid, which that's not normal. These little things. And so you're asking how I got through it. I think there was always this, this North star for me. There's always a set point of like who I wanted to be. And I made decisions based on that. It wasn't whether or not I felt like it, but what was right, what was wrong. And I have this, this, even now I have this weird, the moment I notice something's wrong, I have to stand up. And I don't say it as an arrogant, like I got to stand up and show, you know, it's more of this, because I know how it feels to not be stood up for. Grew up that way. Like I was a kid given away and no one stood up for me and I had all these things happen. And so if I have the, the capabilities, which is my, my ability to speak or the size of my body, I can stand up for somebody if they can't stand up for themselves. Now going back, if we talk about how did it become support system? Yeah, man, I always had somebody in the background that was, that was just planting seeds and watering them. At points, it was my adoptive mom. Like she taught me how to come out of the shell of this guy who was very emotionally walled off because the world had hurt me. I had no reason to trust. And so she helped me. Then in high school, I had my high school sweetheart, my wife now. You know, there was ways that she kind of entered in and like helped with academics and the confidence there. And when I would want to do dumb stuff, she'd keep me in like, hey, don't do that. Like, all right, I'll stay here. Like I wouldn't go to parties. I wouldn't hang out. Uh, You know, I had high school coaches. I had the yard duty guys. Like they were just there were these people that, that were always floating around. And anytime I had those moments where I felt I was falling down, 
I did this thing that was unique and I, I realized I do it now and I, I didn't know what it was back then. And I think I, I conceptually get it more now, but I would borrow joy. It's the best way I can explain it. What I look at is like, we all have these joy tanks and sometimes the tank gets empty. Things happen in life that suck the tank out and like you got no joy. And what we typically do is we tuck ourselves away. We, we sit aside. We don't want to bother anybody's life. And I just want to be over here. And I, I just stew in it. And I just, I, you know, I eat my food and I get chubby and I watch shows and I think it's going to go away. And it doesn't. And, I, and, I, and that's where I think it's tough because men don't typically express their feelings in these moments. Women do. It's why the suicide rate for men is six to one or something. But what I did is I always would sit with people. And all, all you do in those moments, you don't have to pour your soul out and try to, to, to you know, make sense of it. Sometimes just being around people who have more joy fills up your joy tank. It's the yeah. conversation. It's the, you know, whatever they're thinking about. They may have no idea what you're going through and they don't have to know, but just being in their proximity sometimes and sometimes obviously talking about it and it just, it gives you a different sense of joy and, and you receive it and it starts to fill you up little by little by little because you're, we're built to be in relation and connection. Humans are built to be connected and communicated, Right. So when you have that, it just, it starts to make you feel better. So when I have these moments of a grandfather taking his life or, you know, having issues you know, with like losing my, having my career taken from me from a shoulder injury, my wife having an affair, um, my father that I found after a while who told me he had no idea I existed, telling me he did know the entire time. My adoptive mom, my real mom who gave me all these weird little things that were moments where I, I was faced with these very commonly for some odd reason there was always somebody there that I could borrow the joy from. When I get to my life now, like I do have moments and I'll just choose like, hey man, can we just go drink a rock star and sit at your house? We'll just sit and chat and chill and not even talk about the problems sometimes, but I can fill my tank up. And so what it allows me to do is once the tank's filled up, like I didn't take any of theirs. Like they didn't, they didn't get less happy giving it to me. I got to borrow some of it and their tank's still good. And now when I say borrow, like in the world of what I do, I get to give that back to somebody else who's in less joy. I get a lot of messages and calls and texts and emails from people who are just struggling because I'm the guy people look to for joy. And I'm happy to dish it out, man, because it doesn't take it from me. So for a lot of people, when you look at like the hardships of life and when things are falling apart, or you have those sticking moments, there is a strategic tactical way to it. I don't want to go all left brain, but to be honest, a lot of it starts with be around people more often and find the people who are happy. Don't go and be, uh, try to just live in solitude and, and be all like with other people who are just down in the dumps. Yeah. That's the worst place to be because then you guys compile and you steal joy and it goes down. You're stealing from each other and nobody's happy. So find joyous people that you don't feel like you should be around because you actually should be around them. Yeah, it's easy to really get the energy sucked out of you when people are negative. Like, mm -hmm. Man, it's such a contagious thing. But then so is joy, man. If you're around people that it's just naturally, they're just positive. You know, if there's people that will just see the negative in everything and then there's people that will see the positive in everything. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's contagious. It is. And it's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, what I find really interesting is that there's some people that go through a lot less than you did and go down and end up in, in the shit or somewhere. You know, just like... like addiction, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I just find it so interesting how some people that go through so much stuff can still figure out a way to get through and just keep, keep hammering on, you know, like it's, it's fascinating to me. Me too. Like it's, there's some people have everything. 
have yeah. all the things, and yet they just they still end up. And I, I it's like, what, what, why? I, I you know, think like, people place meanings on things. It's very unfortunate. I think yeah. a lot of it boils down to is I heard it years ago. Someone said the only moment, I'm sorry, the only meaning a moment has is the meaning we place upon it. Yeah. And what happens when we give it a meaning, we then give it an emotion attached to it. And the emotion attached to it drives our feelings and our thoughts, and then that drives our actions. And so unfortunately, people will place these horrible meanings on things and fight for that meaning to be correct. We'll live our lives in a way and make statements to make that meaning correct. Like I think Gay Hendricks says in his book, The Big Leap, People with Upper Limits, it says, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And sometimes limitation, I believe, is the meaning we placed upon a moment. Mm -hmm. And so if my meaning for the moment of me being given away as a kid way back then was, you don't, you don't matter the world. The world hates you. So you should, you should get back at the world. Oh, dude, I'd, I'd be an amazing criminal. I'd, I'd be intelligent and problematic and I'd find ways to you know, avoid jail. I'd be like some weird spy dude, right? Yeah, It'd be yeah. a, a big detriment to the world. But I give a different meaning to it. The meaning for me is like, you know what? You went through these things and these things happened to you, but you came out in the backside so you can go and help other people stuck in it. Mm-hmm. Different meaning, right? It's, it's this different perspective. And so when you've given this different meaning, now I show up in a way because when I go back to the identity, our ego will show up in our actions. But the ego's actions are only there for one purpose, which is to protect the identity we have. Mm. The identity you have is, is wrought of meaning. It's brought from meanings that you've created for your life. If it means this for me, this is who I am. I create these meanings, create this guy. And then now my ego must protect that. We hear ego and hear a negative thing typically. We always think it's bad. But the ego is what allowed me to, to make sure I had everything that you sent to me in a document ready to go for this podcast, to make sure I'm on time, uh, to make sure I'm focused and clear, present with you. My identity has a meaning placed around like, it matters that I show up as Anthony. My pride is wrapped in a sense of no matter who I interact with, I want them to walk away and be like, that was a good dude. He did things right. He showed up correctly. And that, that, that's a meaning for the life that I want to have, right? And so what happens is if that's my identity, my ego will do the things necessary to protect that by doing the right things. And so for a lot of people, they just, they're in a space where they're, they're not comprehending that, yeah, like the, the meaning you've placed on certain situations has created this identity of, of whatever you are. And you're protecting it with crappy actions sometimes. You're protecting it with whatever it is because you're making an excuse that, yeah, well, you know, this person's horrible and they're a bad person. That's why I act this way. Or this is what's going on. So that's why I do this. And like you've created this weird dynamic of, of you're protecting crap. <laughs> you know, like in, and you won't take the realization and like and smell and like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got to stop protecting this poo, man. I should, go, yeah. I should go find a statue. It's beautiful. And so that's what's going on. I think for a lot of people, they, they don't have a meaning that allows them to show up in a way without even thinking, just like subconscious flow in a great way. So what they do is, I'm an addict, they say. That's the meaning. My identity is I'm an addict. Why am I going to fight very hard for that thing to be anything great? Or I'm going to protect it by saying, no, I'm an addict. That's why I do this. That's why I rob people's houses. That's why I'm, I'm, you know, I don't show up for my kids. Like This is the meaning you've given it and the identity you have is your ego shows up as that. Those who switch that out start operating vastly different. Mm. because they've built into and it takes action and you build something new when you get past that worthy conversation we've talked about you've created this thing over time but you know why now and after a while like the act because i i know a lot of people who are addicts who are doing phenomenal things now and the difference is when you talk to them it's not like they're 
I'm an addict who's trying to do uh, a podcast. I'm an addict who's trying to build a, a business. They're like, no, I'm a businessman who used to be an addict. It's a different sense. Mm -hmm. And when you're a businessman, you protect that identity with your ego's actions. You're no longer protecting the actions of the addict. Yeah, it's so true. The, I mean, the egos there keep us safe as well. And it's, it's fascinating getting into that stuff because we need it. You mm -hmm. know, we, and, you know, what I also find, what I found when I was playing sports is that, you know, and I want to ask you about, you know, when you're with your football career and, you know, you are known as the athlete. You're known as, uh, you know, for the longest time, the hockey player, the fa your family, friends, they know you as that. And that was years ago for me. But for you being, being an athlete, being, you know, an NFL athlete and being like in that realm and then being so used to that and wanting, you know, success so bad in that, in that area. And then when you get an injury and then you have to be like the acceptance of, okay, I'm like, I'm still that, but now I have to pivot out and do something else. But there's that moment where you're like, oh shit, yeah. am, I, am, I, am I still, and that is hard for athletes, man. Very. Like they, yeah. we are so, because a lot of them are so conditioned in just tunnel vision. Don't mm. learn anything else. Don't do anything else, but your sport. Yeah. And then when it's over, so many of them go into depression. They don't know who they are. They don't That's know what to do. Yeah. How was it, that for you? And, and what was that like, like realizing like, okay, I, I need to, this yeah. identity, I need to switch because yeah. I'm not playing sports anymore or I'm not playing, you know, football anymore. Yeah, man, we all go through it. it, it the thing is sports is what we know it as, but I also know it as the CEO who sells the company, the, the mom who sends her kid to college, the you know, husband who loses his wife. It's the, the you know, soldier that leaves the military. It's the person who lost a job or got divorced. I mean, there's so much that it happens because anytime you've given your all to something and then it gets taken away or you can no longer do it, who am I without that now? Yeah. It's a big, big problem, right? And so th this is a lot of work. I did this. I did this. I came out of the NFL and I was the NFL guy. Well, who was I without that? And that's when I broke my life, dude. I tried to create this gym business to create, you know, the sense of confidence. But it's interesting. People have this, this myth, and I think that the, we'll call it the personal development and the improvement world, it's fallen short in an area. And, and studies finally prove this, but this area is like they assume that all you need is a great mindset. And it's unfortunate because like people don't grasp there are people. I had an amazing mindset, dude. I still do. Like I, I was a former NFL linebacker. The mindset I had to have, it was never, it was, it was never off and it showed up everywhere in the weight room, in how I went grocery shopping. You're like, it's everything because it's yeah. just who you are. So like I do hard things. I'm drawn to it. I, I affirm myself. I don't let myself think negative thoughts. When I do, I turn them off quick. But here's the problem. Even with that great mindset, people fail. Why? Like if, if, if it's just mindset, why? And that's when mm -hmm. so like going to the identity stuff. It's interesting is there's a study done uh, by George Washington University on entrepreneurs and engineering who were, you know, trying to get this mindset to work. And the question was, you know, what is necessary mindset or self-categorization, which is who you see yourself to be, essentially your identity. Do you see yourself as that? And those who had the mindset tools and all these you know, factors and everything in place, it's funny because these people, if they didn't self-categorize, they did not succeed. 
Because they, they could have this, you could have this amazing mindset, but if you can't plug it into that's who I am, a little voice in the back here, that pessimistic co-pilot, they turn that wheel and they start dive bombing to a mountain, bro. Like they just, it's not who I am. And we know that. And so that's where we feel unworthy. We feel imposter and we start turning away because even with that mindset, if I don't think that's who I am, I don't find success in that area. And then what you see is with a lot of people coming out is the, the problem, which is why a lot of people won't even start looking and doing the work in the first place is like I call like I tell this thing called this exercise in my work called the roots and fruits where this tree. Now the tree has, there's roots and there's, there's branches. That's a different part of it. But here's the first part of it. That's very conceptual, but it'll land is a lot of us in life create this amazing fruit. We have this career, we have sport, we have, and then the career, this beautiful bright red apple falls off the tree and it could be alive for a little bit. But then after a while it, it gets dry and it withers and it gets moldy and it, it's there. And that's how we feel. I, you know, I, I leave football. It's still a bright red apple for a little bit. I still feel good. A little by little, I realized like, I'm not that guy anymore. And I started getting dry and I get all rotted. I'm like, man, I suck. And then what's crazy is now everything around you sucks, right? Because it's like, because we are this this fruit that that it dies, we feel like we died. But here's the thing. We have never, ever been the fruit. We have always been the tree. And when people can sit back and grasp what I just said, essentially is, the person you are created the sports success, created the relationship success, whatever it may be. But if you're only tending to the one fruit on the ground and not tending to the nutrients for the tree, pruning the branches, well, now every other fruit dies off that tree because you weren't taking care of it. And now the relationship falls apart, your health falls apart, all these other fruits of your life, they fall off the tree, which is exactly what happened to me. And so what I learned to do later in life was take all the stuff I'd learned as an athlete and say, I'm going to take these intangibles, but I'm going to go and start giving nutrients to the tree. Now I'm going to make sure the roots are deep and strong and, and you know, nourished. I'm going to start pruning the branches and taking care of these branches and making sure that that fruit's great. And what's crazy is what I thought was this amazing fruit of the NFL was the biggest fruit I'd had that gave me joy. I've got better fruit now than I had when I played in the league, man. I got, I have, I have more financial security. I have a, a better marriage. I have better parental and child relationships. I'm not as in shape. It's a different kind of game, but like <laughs> I, I operate, I'm in more peace. I'm not worried about, you know, tomorrow, like if I have a job. And so because I was able to go back to the tree, like so few people do, I made better fruit. But when somebody does that, man, that's when it's a game changer for your life. And so athletes or anybody who comes out of a situation who is all they're doing is worried about the fruit, the fruit, the fruit, the fruit. The rest of it's going to die. You really got to go back and say, where can I start working on the, the, the roots and the branches? That's, I love that, man. It's so true. And it's amazing when we're on that journey, sometimes the thing that we think is going to be, you know, the point that we're trying to get to, once we pivot, we'll actually find something better. You know, but we, we, it's so easy for us to get attached to that outcome. Like it's yeah. only that, especially sports is the prime example. It's like, if you don't make it there, we're, we're nothing, right? And it's like being able to be like, all right. But that's the problem with athletes too nowadays is they need to know like that's, that's important, yes. But the journey getting there is going to bring you so much value as well. You're going to meet so many people. You're going to learn so many lessons. If you can be agile and be like, you know, obviously dedicated to the goal, but okay if you have to pivot. Okay mm-hmm. if that thing doesn't come through because you're on the path and chances are something else is going to come along that's even better. 
Always. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to the person behind the scenes. Like, yeah, you could put me in anything right now. And because of how I identify as a person and how I operate, like my work, really the root of it is teaching people to operate at a, at a better tick, to upgrade that operating system of like the computer operating system, we'll call it. When you learn to upgrade that, everything else flows, man. It's just so much smoother. And so in the work I do, that's what I'm heavily focused on for people. Because at that point, like, dude, you could drop me into sales. I could start dealing with produce. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to be great at it because I identify as a fact that I'm going to be great at it. It's the people who are tied to the, the, the fact that, I mean, I was only good as an athlete. I could only run fast. I could only lift weights. Like, no, you were consistent enough to, you know, you, you focused on taking care of your body and eating the right food and you knew when to get up early and you knew how to communicate with people. You knew how to do hard stuff when you didn't feel like doing it. You know how to take the lumps and push past hard moments when there's pain. Like those are the things you knew how to do. They showed up as stronger and faster and more agile. That's how they showed up. Mm. Go back to the core of the tree, man, and figure out what that tree did to create something new. Because here's what's it's crazy. When you do that, you can leave sports and then go and, and build and, and grow a new tree of confidence in a different area. Totally. In, in whatever career you choose or whatever it may be, you have all those intangibles that are still there you just only think that you have worth if it's tied to the sport you played or the job you had. But man, no, that the strength of you was the person who could apply whatever you knew already and create success in whatever you were choosing. So choose something else. Love it, man. Where can we find you and check you out if we want to learn more about you? Yeah, man, best place is uh, Instagram, at Anthony Trucks. And if somebody wants to find out that there's something I have called a slower go quiz, it's a quadrant and it'll give you a a snapshot of where you are right now. There's four different types of identities you can be, a doer, defender, a dabbler, or a uh, dreamer. Once you figure out which one you are, it gives you a clear path of what you got to do to shift into that next tier for your life. Amazing, man. Dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, bro. Good chat. <laughs> well, I love having this conversation. It's so important, you know, and being able to create a new identity and not getting stuck in that, identity forever is just so important and you know hearing you and what you've been able to achieve and and it, it's it's super powerful so and and i can really relate because i've had to do it a few times as well and it's not easy but it's definitely it's important it's important if you want to make changes in your life true so, man. yeah it's, it, it takes time i mean the thing is there's a lot of ways to say to skin a cat like i made a process that i walk people through as a coach and that's really it but it's doable. It just may take you longer, but it's doable if you just apply some of the things I talked about today. So like, you don't have to hire me or anybody as a coach if you really just like, hey, I can do it. But if you really want to shortcut that, find somebody who can hold you to the fire because now you understand what that means. You understand what the hard work turns into. You understand what you need to do, but it's a matter of what you need to do with that information. Awesome. I always end it with just one final question about adversity. Mm -hmm. Out of all the challenges and struggles and everything you've gone through in your life, what is the number one lesson or one lesson that adversity has taught you? Oh man, that there's a, the, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Yeah. So <laughs> I my, love it. Yeah. Harvey McKay said that and I was like, Ooh, that's a good one. So I'm not saying it's my quote cause it most definitely isn't, but if I attach it to stuff, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. There's always room to grow. Even when things are great, I'm like, there's always, and it's not to say that, I, I, you know, don't appreciate when things are great. I hundred percent do, but I'm always like, man, if it's this, this is this great, man, it could be greater. Imagine what that's like. You know, it's not that this like, oh, this, this sucks now. I want something more. It's, it's always based around, there is a, a level of happy above the level of happy I'm already happy at. And I love it. So true. 
I love your energy, man. Uh, this was a great conversation. Super grateful. Thanks so much, well. man. Thank you, everybody. If you guys got value over that, we'd love a review on Apple. If you can, share it with a friend, whoever needs it. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Stay on top of it. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button as well so that you stay on top of the episodes. Check out all Anthony Trucks' awesome work. He's, he's doing great things. He's got great content on social media and very inspiring guy. So as always, much love and we will catch you next time.